Hi doctor, are you currently seeing patients with shoulder pain? What about frozen shoulder? What if I could teach you a neurological treatment system in which you could literally take a person from frozen, frozen shoulder to a full range of motion in two visits? And this system is so powerful that we guarantee results in two visits or we don't accept the patient for care. Hi, I'm Dr. Andy Barlow. I'm a board certified chiropractic neurologist. I also carry a fellowship in functional neurology and every Wednesday night at 5 p.m. I'm giving a one hour seminar free of charge. I'm here to help you. I'm here to help your community. I'm here to help our profession go to the next level. I personally look forward to seeing you every Wednesday night. I want to, I want to completely change your life and change your community's life. And I can help you do that because I've helped hundreds if not thousands of doctors from Europe to Canada, all the way to New Zealand with these types of health issues, okay? So I look forward to seeing you Wednesday night at 5 p.m. Central on the webinar. Have a great day. I look forward to seeing you on, on the internet. Probably have an old school website, just like this old school Voltron from the 80s. Here's the thing, video websites are dominating the entire internet right now. But only 3% of people have video websites. What is a video website? When there's continual movement. The beautiful thing about continual movement is that when you have movement, it keeps the buyer wanting to stay on the website. Here's the beautiful thing. If you look here at Dr. Mo's website, he is dominating, dominating, dominating. His website's everywhere. Not only that, but He's omnipresent. It's about time to get you out of the static world websites where they don't move, doesn't do anything for you, but come into the video websites where we dominate Google and get you omnipresent. It's time to step in the future of marketing. Make sure you click on the button in the bottom for a consultation and we'll get back with you. Hello everyone, my name is Mark Anthony with Edge on Regenerative Medicine Show, the place where we bring you the best of the best doctors in their area. I'm excited today. Today we have Dr. Douglas Brown. You can also find him at mindperformancecenter.com, mindperformancecenter.com. He's in uh, Foley, Alabama. And here's the cool thing, everyone. Today we are going to be talking about a subject that we have not, talk, have not talked about on the show yet. So today's the first. So I'm really excited to, to talk about this because a lot of the world is struggling with this. And our topic is Alzheimer's and depression. What can we do and to help prevent it? And so again, thank you so much, Dr. Douglas Brown, for being here with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Good I'm excited. You. You, know, uh, you know what? Tell us a little bit about yourself. How, just basically how you, you got into to becoming a doctor and uh, how you're on the hunt for helping people with Alzheimer's and depression. Whew, that's a long convoluted story. <laughs> uh, I started off, um, I was always a very inquisitive student in, in undergraduate. And it was hard for me to buy into a lot of the things I was hearing. I was one of those guys. I asked all the questions. I was the annoying student in class. and Biology, chemistry major. I was a kid who heard the electron, the orbiting electron theory and thought, what? No, not even possible. Don't believe it. And later on, years later, I talked to my physical chemistry 
instructor about it. And I said, you know what? I don't buy into that whole orbiting electron theory thing. He says, you know what? You're right. It's not possible. It doesn't happen. He says, but we have no other way to explain it. So that's why we keep it going. I said, well, why can't we just use the electronegativity of the, of the, the different atoms? And if we got all that, we can calculate it, you know, mathematically. He says, that's a great idea, but we don't know the electronegativity of every element. So there we are. Wow. Anyway, so that was me. That was, I was that kind of student. That's awesome. We were um, on our way to medical school, and um, I had a change of heart because, because of my nature and asking so many questions, I just couldn't do the, the, the standard across the board, go right into medical school thing. I just, it, not me. So I talked to a friend about it who's a medical doctor, and I said, look, you know, I don't know about this medicine thing. And I said, what should I do? Is there, you know, anything that's like alternative or cutting edge, you know, something that's different? And he, yeah, he mentioned chiropractic to me. I said, chiropractic? What is that? I didn't even know. I've never even heard of it. He says, well, let me tell you this. Number one, you can help a lot of people. And number two, you won't kill anybody. I go, kill anybody? He goes, yeah, if you go to medical school and you go through residency, you're not going to do it on purpose because you want to help people. Medicine kills people. It's just no way around it. Wow. It's, it's absolutely necessary. We've got to have the best thing for a lot of medical, for a lot of conditions, but people die. You don't know what they're going to do when you give them a drug. Everybody is genetically unique. You just don't know. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'll look into it. So I did. I liked it. I love the way chiropractors think. I like that whole holistic mentality. So I did that first. After I got done, four and a half years later, I practiced for about seven years and started getting bored. I bored with it. And then I went back to school and um, wound up doing a fellowship in chiropractic neurology, mm, huge. which is functional neurology. And then I went up and then I did another fellowship in medical neurology. I did that mm -hmm. fellowship for one year at uh, Baptist Health, Baptist Medical Center in Jasper, Alabama. All along the way, you know, during my studies in neurology, which was three years, I'm doing my grand rounds at UAB School of Medicine, like everybody else does in, in medical stuff. And I'm learning, you know, both sides of the coin, which made me decide I don't want to do medical neurology. Hmm. I want to do functional neurology because I want to, I want to treat conditions that we can't, you cannot treat with medicine. You know, the brain doesn't get along well with medicines anyway. You, you give it drugs, it just doesn't like them. It won't respond like you hope. There's a reaction. It is. is there, you got it. You got it. Exactly. There's a hangover. Hey, whether it's bad or good. Exactly. <laughs> So that's why I decided to do what I'm doing, and that's strictly functional neurology. And, of course, you can't treat the brain without treating it metabolically, and that's where the functional medicine part comes in. So I've been studying functional medicine for years. I've, I'm, you know, I'm certified in the Bredesen Protocol for Alzheimer's Disease. You know, Dr. Bredesen, UCLA, those guys are doing all the research at the Buck Institute for Alzheimer's, figuring out what's going on metabolically. Uh, funny story, six years ago, I'm treating a patient with Alzheimer's disease, and I'm seeing this patient getting better. Now, six years ago, 
we just did everything we could for him. We just, we just try to figure out if there's anything wrong with him metabolically and just try to fix that. And hopefully they got better. We did not know what was going on metabolically in the cell. We just didn't. And there was no drugs. Every drug you gave that patient would cause them to get worse. And it's still that way today, you know, unless it's like hormone, you know, stuff like that. But then I get, I see this article come out in aging magazine. It was a, it's a journal comes out and Dr. Brennison had post, he had put out his first journal article on aging on reversing Alzheimer's disease. And there was 10 patients that were studied in this. And he published about these 10 people. I read that thing and I immediately give him, called him up and I'm like, listen, I'm seeing these results too. Thank you. Thank you a million times for publishing this. So now somebody else has published this. And there was, it turned out that there was about 15 of us in the United States doing similar work and none of us knew each other. Wow. It's amazing. It was so bizarre. And since then, he's published another paper with 100 patients. And we're hoping that the next one gets published at 1,000 patients. All of them are reversed, getting better, have Alzheimer's disease, and getting better. Now we know, because wow. now we've, we've categorized these patients into certain categories, and now we know how to treat them and get them to reverse, hmm. which, is, which is just monumental in the medical field. You know, you talk to about any neurologist, hey, what can you do for Alzheimer's disease? They said, nothing, nothing. And they're just, nothing you do. But that's not true. Now, it takes a lot of work, that's for sure. You got to run a lot of lab tests. You got to check absolutely under every rock, every nook and cranny. If there's anything off, you've got to make sure you take care of it. You know, everything from metal toxicities to disease of the thyroid you know, reproductive hormones. I mean, for, for example, 74-year-old lady in the initial research, she was doing good. She was reversing. She was getting better. Mm-hmm. Then she plateaued and wasn't getting better anymore. Okay. We went back, looked at her labs a little more carefully, and it turned out her estrogen was slightly low. So we asked her OBGYN, put her on some estrogen. He says, sure, why not? She's 74, it doesn't matter. We put her on it, and there she goes, better, getting better. And so... To us, it looked like this lady, 74 now, the 74-year-old woman was suffering from estrogen withdrawal at 74. Now, you know, you hear all the time, well, your postmenopausal doesn't matter what your estrogen is anymore. No, that's not true in the brain. And so basically what we do here in our clinic is we're trying to achieve metabolically, we're trying to get that body back to where it was, say, at 30 years old. Wow. If we get that cell at around 30 years old metabolically, that gives the brain something to thrive. It gives it the ability to have what it needs to thrive, you know? And so then we can stimulate the brain and start working the brain and all those pathways that we've discovered that were weak in the brain, we start working them and strengthening them. And the patient's got what they need to build with. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's like, it looks like a miracle, but it's not. It's just, it's amazing to watch these people get better. It just really is. It's a blessing. What would you say that you're a common thread that you're seeing with Alzheimer's, like the age that it's starting to kind of creep up on certain people? Oh yeah. That's a good question. We're, we're thinking that it starts in the, their forties. That's what we're thinking. And it, you know, because we look at, 
Well, here's a commonality. Oftentimes, more often than not, I'll see patients who are close to type 2 diabetes, if not slight, already in there in type 2 diabetes. So sugar, insulin resistance are huge in this, within this problem. And, that, and so we're constantly treating that. We're constantly putting patients on ketogenic diets and right. you know, things like that. I'm, I'm, you, know, you know the guy that, I forget his name right now, but the programmer who made the Bulletproof stuff, right? Yeah. I'm giving out his sheet all the time. I'm saying, look, go stay in the green, do this. We'll see how it goes, you know, with the diet. That just helps them get started. And so we talk about ketogenic all the time, getting them away from any carb, sugar, anything that's going to mess with it. And it's because it appears to be this. People eat a lot of sugar and a lot of carbs in our society over time. And what that does is eventually the cells of the brain, which live on glucose in your brain and in my brain, they get to where they no longer can use it. They can't process it anymore. So we discovered by trying to fix that, that the patient's brains, these people with Alzheimer's disease, and you and me for that matter, can actually eat ketones also. Hmm. So the brain can live on glucose and ketones. Well, if this brain can't lose, use glucose anymore, then if we give it ketones, it can thrive again. And so right. that's the reason why we do it. But one common thing is that if there's one commonality, it is sugar. It is carbohydrates. Too much, too much of it. You know, it's interesting you say that. Um, I have, I've, I've noticed, I mean, I'm in my 40s. I'm 44. As I got to look up and think about it. <laughs> but um, I noticed that we can't just say anymore that it's this and this and this. It's, right. you know, our, we can talk about our food. We can talk about our water. We can talk about our dieting. There's so many things that we can be talking about, but we live in this day of age where we don't really, I think, put a lot of value on ourselves until it's almost too late. Right. Till things <laughs> fail. No, definitely. I mean, I'm an, I'm an ex tennis pro. So, I mean, I've put a lot into my kids, but what I've realized is that I've also ne ne neglected myself in a lot of ways. So now I'm, I'm, I'm trying to climb up that hill, not trying, but I'm climbing up the hill. I got a tennis ball machine. I'm going out there almost every single day. There you go. Good right. for you, man. Yeah. And, you know, but I, what I noticed is that a lot of people don't like working out and I understand why, but here's the cool thing. We have to, I always call you got to reverse engineer yourself. And yeah. what I mean by that is if you don't like working out, find something that you like to do. There you go. That will give you the, the results of working out. So I'm not much into working out, but I love playing tennis. So I'm getting that cardiovascular. Do you know what I mean? So I, I can do that for an hour or two, no problem, straight. But my point is you're not going to really see me in the gym for two hours or an hour, you know, maybe 30 minutes we're pushing it, you know. Yeah, it's brilliant. That's brilliant. We've got to find things that motivate us that, you know, even I don't care if it's rock climbing. If you love rock climbing, but you don't like working out, rock climb, man. You know, yeah. it's just, doing something you know I was looking one thing that intrigued me and everybody out there I want you guys to really pay attention one of the things that really uh, intrigued me about Dr. Brown is of of the niches of, of things that he focuses on helping people um, you know like with sensory processing ADHD brain injury um, headaches Alzheimer's depression uh, movement disorders I'm sure there's a lot more just naming just a few 
I don't want to name the whole encyclopedia from your website, but um, I'm just saying these, this is what's going on with a lot of us out there. If you're wondering, why am I forgetting this? What's, what's, you know, uh, what, what did I eat for breakfast this morning? Even little things like that. You might even have kids, you know, we're talking 40, but you might even have kids right now that are struggling with their memory. Why? Because they're playing too many video games and they're stuck in front of a screen. It can yeah. really mess up because things are, pictures are going too quick and they're too young. So I, I just want to say everyone, you can call the number on the screen. It doesn't matter if you're not in his area because here's the beautiful thing. Many people fly just to get to him because he shows results. I'm sorry. I had, a, I had to do a little a commercial break for you. <laughs> Appreciate that. You know, I can help. Yeah. So that's, tell that's me. Just brilliant. what you're saying is brilliant. You know, we give our kids tons of sugar all the time. We're loving them. We're literally loving them to death if we're not careful. You know, because we, I mean, it's okay to get treats once a week or so. It's fine. But we got to be careful what we're teaching them. We got to be careful how we're feeding them and showing, because we're showing them the future. We're saying, this is how you eat. This is what you do. We got to be just, oh my gosh, so careful. And how many of us do, you know? Yeah. When we're in our 20s and 30s and even 40s raising our kids, we just want them to be happy. And so we got, we just have to be cognizant of that happiness and, you know, let them be happy with blueberries rather than with uh, blueberry. You know what I mean? <laughs> I call my kids, I sit and I tell them that's candy. So yeah. I, blueberries in our house is like ice cream. I mean, there you go. That's they're really it. good when they're frozen. Just, you know, <laughs> yeah. instead of, instead of buying the popcorn at the store, little things. I know a lot of people don't like corn. And I know it's not, not, you know, really great for you, but I'm a popcorn person. Um, you know, I, I do that instead of an exchange for a Kit Kat bar. But I make my own popcorn with organic corn. You, you can do, uh, use a little bit of coconut oil with a little bit of organic butter. Blend that. Pop it all in at the same time. Nothing wrong with corn. Yeah. No, I, mean, I, hear, I hear so many, a lot, actually I hear a lot of doctors and, and, and people say that corn's really not good for you. I, I put corn in everything. <laughs> Because of people, because of people are eating corn chips, right? Right. Corn. That's not right. corn. What? Real people. So, how how would you? What would you say right now? Like, what are some of the symptoms of someone starting to get Alzheimer's? Some just some of the symptoms. Some of the symptoms that maybe we don't even know of. Yeah, you you'll see yourself. Everybody forgets stuff, right? Everybody forgets their keys and everybody, right. you're trying to think of a name. You're like, what was that name? And it might be something you just said. Right. Everybody does that occasionally. Now it's when it becomes a pattern that it's disturbing. And that's when we're, we better get a look at what we're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, the pattern being like, I forgot my keys three times this week or where I put them. You know, I, I keep forgetting people's names and it's all the time. And it's people I should know. You know, that's what we look for. That pattern, you know, it's one thing to forget. Everybody forgets. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and as we get older, we forget. You know, I had a um, couple in here not long ago. And this man was like, so I'm like, what can I do for him? What's going on? He's like, I'm forgetting. I go, really? You're forgetting? Oh, yes, man. I can't remember anything. Well, tell me, what is it? What are you, what are you forgetting? And he goes to this story. He says, well, just the other day, I'll give you an example. He says, just the other day. I go to the kitchen door and 
there's no keys. I forgot my keys. I don't even know where they are. So I go, I go into the living room and I look at the table next to the, next to my chair where I usually sit and watch TV and there's no keys there. So I go back to the bedroom and I'm looking around the bedroom and I'm thinking, did I put my keys in the closet? So I look in the closet, there's no keys in the closet. And then I go, oh yes, then I remember I put them in the drawer next to the bed. That's where I put the keys because I didn't want to forget them, but I forgot them anyway. He tells me this whole story, right? Does this guy have a memory problem? No, that guy has no memory Pretty precise. Exactly, exactly. He was doing great. That's why I told him, you know, you don't, you don't have a problem. You're doing fantastic. You just lost your keys. People do that. Now, it's when they come in, and they may come in as a couple, and the wiper will say he's losing his memory, or the husband is saying that, and the, they're like, I don't think I'm doing bad. I don't think I'm doing just fine. And then I'll ask him, you know, um, so what day is it? I don't know. I'm retired. I never look at that. Okay, what day of the week is it? I don't really pay much attention to that either. So they're making excuses, right? Um, what's your kids' names? They'll look at their spouse. Yeah, you know, and so when they're starting to forget things that are important, like familiar places, they get out, they go to drive, and they're like, what the heck? I've been to this store a hundred times. They remember it, but it takes them a minute. Now that, now we're starting to look bad. You see, that's when it's getting bad. And that's when it's getting serious. But if we, if we eat whole like you do, you're eating, you eat whole foods, you eat organic as, as much as you possibly can, you drink water, you don't, drink, you don't eat anything with artificial sweeteners and stuff like that in it, you know, you, try, you steer clear of that toxic world. If you do that and you're exercising and you're getting really great cultural um, exchange as far as love and you got friends and you got family and you got this community that is what it's all about that's what keeps people from they will never develop alzheimer's disease if they do that they just won't because we know oh. that's what causes it mm -hmm. it's all of these things you know this toxic environment inside our bodies outside our in our environment where we work and live it's that lack of exercise not much social connection you know, not feeling loved or important or needed, all of that adds up to eventual dementia and Alzheimer's disease. Do you see Depression this, too, for that matter. Do you see this happening more into people? And I'm just asking quick because I don't know. Do you see this happening more with people maybe that struggle with depression? Oh, yeah. Depression is actually known to accelerate dementia by 4% that we know of. It's probably worse. By 4%? Four uh, percent. That's the number we got. We've come up with they so far, but I think it's worse. What? But why? Why is that? Is it because they're in isolation or from people? It's, or I, I believe it's because it's the same mechanism. The same stuff that develops Alzheimer's disease is the same stuff that can develop into depression. Wow. Okay. With depression patients, more often than not, I will see trauma. Trauma. There's trauma in the history. You know, I don't know. It could be a bad breakup. It could be abuse of some sort, but there's trauma. Almost always there's some sort of trauma that starts the cascade. And if you want to get into the, the neurological things that I see regarding depression, what I see is I'll do a quantitative EEG. And basically it's an EEG that we use that you can see a visualization of the brain. It's a program that, 
shows the visualization of the brain and it shows the electrical activity, the different out, you know, the waveforms in the brain in real time. So I can see which areas of the brain are activating and which areas are going to quiet at certain periods of time. And I'll see the right frontal lobe just firing away. It's the same in ADHD too. It's exactly the same pattern. We'll see that right frontal lobe. Now, what does the right frontal lobe do? Well, its job is creativity, emotion, primarily emotion. Right side of the brain is that part of the brain that can see your face and know what you're thinking. You know, emotionally, it can read you. Left side is all about logic, linear thinking, and it's the side that can read, write, speak. Right side of the brain cannot speak, can't speak at all. The interesting thing, too, is the right side interprets the external world. It interprets what everything means, but it can't verbalize it, you see. It can only feel, but it can't talk. That's why it's so important for both sides to constantly be working. Now, here's what happens. Let's say a person goes through a divorce. Mm -hmm. Well, what part of the brain has to deal with that? Not the left side, because it's not logical. Right. The right side has to deal with it. And so what does that do? It builds that right frontal lobe up. So it, it makes it weaker. It makes right. the left side weaker. Exactly. Now, so that condition. There's an imbalance. Bingo. Bingo. Okay. That's what we see in neurology. The right side is too strong. And so, what we do then is stimulate the left side with TMS, building it up so that it can get strong enough to inhibit the right, relieving the symptoms of. Because you can over circuit the right. And if it's overloaded, then something's going to break. You got it. When things start breaking, then you, yeah, (laughs) it looks like what's going on. Yes. And it's the same thing. It's kind of taking, it's like pulling, huh? Is it almost kind of trying to find something to connect to? I don't know. I'm trying to visualizing what you're saying right now. It's like we're asking different parts of the brain to do the wrong thing that you're not designed to do. It's like um, a person who is extreme left side dominant left frontal lobe dominant, they're very logical, they're very linear. Now, I mean, I'm overgeneralizing this on purpose. Right. Okay, it's much more complicated. Right. But let's say a left frontal lobe dominant person, like a, you know, like a scientist or a computer programmer, somebody who's very left side right. dominant. If something horrible happens to them, like, like I said, like a divorce, a bad breakup, something like their child dies, something horrible, those those people are literally going to cave completely in. They're going to, no, they're not going to be able to handle it at all. They wind up in the hospital. Isn't that interesting how that happens? Yeah, because their right frontal lobe is not built up enough to handle it for them. Wow. They're all left. Left can't deal with emotional stuff like that. And so they literally just completely crumble. How do you and get we, it eaten? How, how, do you, how do you feed it? I mean, can you... I just think that doesn't make sense. Like, how can you get it to where it's even? That's the key. That's the key. You've got to do both. And during childhood, if your child, you know, if your child gravitates toward art, that's wonderful, but that's a right side. We know that. So what do we want to do? We want to, you know, help the child to use mathematics as well. You know, we want to keep them balanced throughout life. Um, and that's where it all happens, you know, as they develop. Interesting. So, but let's just pretend you have a child that's very much into art and music. Yeah. What could be the problem with that? 
they are highly emotional. Highly emotional. And, and they will be less. They will be less analytical. Mm -hmm. And that makes it um, a little more. It can not always, but it can make it more difficult to go through life. For example, if you if you're a powerful right frontal lobe, you're emotional all the time. Right. Those guys who you know, go off at the drop of a hat, they get angry instantly, they're, they're always upset, or the woman who's, you know, depressed all the time and very negative and unhappy, and, you know, or the man too, you know, it, it's a very negative world when that starts to, to get in control, very negative. And so mm -hmm. we, that's the only problem with becoming, I mean, look at your art people, right? Look at right. your famous people, look what happens to them. When they use only that right front lobe all the time, they become very self-destructive. I mean, they just destroy their lives because it's that right front lobe is all about negativity and creativity and drama, drama, drama. That's all it knows. And so, if we live in that world, we're, we could become very self-destructive. Wow, interesting. So, what what could what if you have somebody that's in their twenties or even thirties in their Let's say they're they've they've struggled with a lot of these symptoms. Yeah. Of course, number one, we want to tell them to uh, give give you a phone call, Doctor Brown. But what 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 is something that you would maybe like to say to them to encourage them to um, to take that next step? And if they don't, and if they don't, yeah. what could happen? What I think that's happen? very important. Yeah. If they don't, they're going to, number one, they're going to continue to feel low self-worth, very negative all the time, most of the time. They will have moments of happiness, but it's only because of, its, of an external event, you know, like a concert or a party or something like that. They'll have those moments of happiness, but it's not true. It's not within themselves. It's not in their own heart. And so we just talk to them that way. Let them know, listen, you've got to deal with this. You've got to handle this. And that's why counseling seems to be so effective with patients too, mm -hmm. because in order to get that left side stimulated and going, we have to talk about it because that's what the left side does, right? That's where language is. So if, if a person has a feeling of, you know, if it's a, if it's a negative feeling, I feel so down all the time. And the counselor says, well, let's talk about why, why would you feel down under what circumstances is it? And then they start talking about it. And that engages the left side, the logical side. And when logic kicks in, logic starts saying, you mean you're feeling down because you didn't get coffee today? Are you kidding me? You know, then these two sides start to discuss this. And then, oh, that is kind of silly. I really shouldn't feel like that. Or they may feel bad because they were abused as a child. Well, now we get into a lot deeper stuff, don't we? Now we get into, we have to about forgiveness and about all kinds of stuff, loving themselves. There's a whole host of factors that get involved there. but it's, It can be complicated, but it's a journey. And the brain is a journey. Different things happen to different people. You know, you can have a person who grows up all is well, and then some horrible thing happens, like 9-11, you know? That messed a lot of people up, you know? And then here we are in COVID, shut everybody down, can't go to work. You talk about some, that's going to really hurt some folks in this world. Yeah. 
Wow, that's that's some really that's some deep stuff, and I feel like a lot of people don't take Alzheimer's and um, take that very serious. Um, I think they, like you said in the beginning, a lot of people just think it's for older people in their sixties, seventies, and eighties. Right. right. And of course, depression. I don't. What's very what concerns me, you know, I'm forty four years old, and I've I've noticed that with each generation. I've seen the depression scale go higher. Yeah. I mean, even just the past, say, if we were to do a scale in the past five years with kids that go from adulthood, from 17 to adulthood, they have this depression. And I, I, it, it seems like it's getting worse. And I don't know. I think it's, it's not just, I think it's a lot of everything too much of, a good thing could be a bad thing. Amen. And I think that's what going, going on social media, yeah. looking at our phones all the time, not realizing that there's radiation, what we're eating. So it's a whole lot of everything. And the cool thing about with what you're doing though, is that you can help reverse that. See, that's the beauty. We're, we're talking about, okay, this is what's happened, but let's talk about the reversal process. You know, what would that look like? Let's just say I was a patient, I come to you, what would that look like? Well, first thing we would do is a full neurological exam. We've got to make sure there's nothing pathological that's causing it, right? Right. Then we do a, a lot of blood work to just look at everything to make sure you metabolically are good or not. Mm-hmm. Once we do that, we go back over the blood work and see what's going on. Okay. Correct that. Then we correct, we make recommendations to correct that. Mm-hmm. And then we get started on the rehabilitation of that brain. Whatever is wrong, we start working on it. And like I said before, we, you and I were talking before, it could be um, therapy like TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation, direct stimulation, or it could be um, balanced vestibular therapies. Because those are very important. It could be eye movement therapies. It could be therapies using your sensory systems of your body, like balancing, um, hand movements. It's a whole host of tools that I have in the toolbox. It just depends on the individual brain. Mm-hmm. It's A lot of people ask me, can't you just give us a list of things that if we all do it, we'll be fine? No. I wish I could. There's a few things that you can, yeah, there's like we talked about a while ago, there's a few things you can do. First of all, eat right, exercise, drink plenty of water, and stay socially connected. God forbid, don't get socially disconnected. And I think what you said a while ago with the devices is a major problem with our young people. It's not that the device is bad. It's not that video games are bad. But it's the social disconnect that's the worst. Really? So someone's struggling majorly with, with depression right now. Uh, the, the last thing for them is to disconnect, like go go live oh, in yeah. a, somewhere. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. That makes it 10 times more. What would that do to that person if they were to do that? Think about it. You've got a right frontal lobe dominant individual who thinks negatively all the time, and there's no one to tell them otherwise. Right. That loop is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. The negativity is going to grow and grow and grow because there's nobody to meditation. What if I'm, I'm going to play the advocate for fun? What if yeah. they're on vacation and you know it's supposed to make them happy? I know, I know. Well, sometimes a lot of times medication does help a little bit. 
But every psychiatrist will tell you, and any of them will tell you, that it's going to be 90% counseling, and that means social connection, whether it's with a counselor, with family, and 10% medication. Okay. Okay. Everybody will tell you that. You know, they know that the medication will get you, is a crutch for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It'll get you so far. Okay. Still, all these other things corrected. You got to. So I like to play the advocate a little bit because there's people out there that are doing what I'm saying right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Okay, well, let's say I'm separating myself and I'm not only taking pills to, you know, try to calm me down, but I'm also smoking a whole bunch of weed. Yeah. Does does that make? Or I mean, we're we're taught. I'm not. I know. That, but I we're know. taught nowadays. You know, smoking a whole bunch of weed. Everyone's cool, groovy. Right. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it's 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 organic. Um, could that hurt somebody that's struggling with depression? That's struggling yeah. and separating, and then doing weed, and then doing their vi- not their vitamins, but taking the pills to try sure. to make them happy. Yeah. Yeah. Because why? We're not getting to the root cause of it, are we? No. What we're doing is we're doing anything we can to avoid getting to the root cause of it, right? Could that make, it, that make it worse or enhance the struggle of depression? It just isn't going to go away. Okay. It won't necessarily make it worse that we know of, you know, like um, marijuana. We don't know that it would make it worse, but it sure as heck ain't going to make it better. We're talking about Alzheimer's now. So I'm thinking like we're going Alzheimer's. Well, Alzheimer's, that's, yeah, you know that's going to make it worse. Alzheimer's helps you to memory loss. No, no. It's, remember, all, uh, medications like that are going to be inhibitory to the brain, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to inhibit it. God knows you don't want more inhibition in the brain of an Alzheimer patient. <laughs> right? You want to want the that brain. Screaming, the left side screaming. <laughs> yeah, because there's there's not enough there's not enough connections to hold it up anyway, and then you start taking this drug that's going to cause it to be inhibited more. You're you're going downhill. It is not a good choice for Alzheimer's disease. We have to get that brain woke, if you will, woke up. Woke. Well, very good. Well, I love this. This is good stuff. So, man, this is this is deep. I can actually keep going on and on. So. I just want to say thank you so much, uh, Dr. Brown, for being here on the show today. I know for a fact we'll end up having you on again because I have a lot more uh, questions. And um, again, I just want to say thank you so much for the service that you do. We need more people out there that that are like you. And um, everyone out there, I just want to say in internet land, make sure that you share this video. Why? Because one video can change one person's life. So if you're not struggling with Alzheimer's, I can guarantee you somebody, or even depression, somebody on your page is struggling with it. Anyways, have a great day, everyone. And God bless you, doctor. And um, sharing is caring. Let's share it. Thank you so much.